Hi, I'm Mickey Lowe. Hi, I'm Bishop Todd. And welcome, welcome to, to the, the C4SO, C4SO podcast. podcast. Mickey, we're back together. We are back after a long summer. Here we are. Should we tell everybody we weren't having a falling out? We were just each living <laughs> complicated lives. I know, right? They're the the first one back of the season was me with Ryder, right? And then you with AJ, and now finally we ha- we tag team in episode, just like old days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So while we were together, though, I have a feeling this one was especially close to your heart as a worship leader and a musician yourself. So yeah, uh, it was fun talking to Rachel. Yeah, it was awesome. So today we get the chance to share an interview with you guys uh, with Rachel Wilhelm. So she is a singer, songwriter, and worship leader in Knoxville, Tennessee, so not far from you, Bishop Todd. And she is also the vice president of the ministry called United Adoration. So that's like a provincial thing, too. So right. she's very involved yeah. with the ACNA. Speaking of United Adoration, she mentions this, this in the interview, but they're actually putting on a songwriting retreat at the end of the month. So check out her website for details and check out that website for details. But we just get the chance to talk to Rachel today about her musical background, her journey toward Anglicanism, and the craft of songwriting. So she gets to share with us and our listeners what her process is like, what it's like to write songs inspired by scripture. That's like her specialty. That's her gift. She's got a growing album list she just put out. Um, a record called Jeremiah. And this is a great listen, especially for those of you who are hearing this and are maybe interested in songwriting and maybe kind of feel that pull. So Rachel kind of shares some beginning steps to to what it means to like answer that call. So I really enjoyed that about the conversation. It was very practical. So we, we are so glad to share this with you now, our conversation with Rachel Wilhelm. Rachel, it's so good to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So we'd love to just get to know you and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit as well. So why don't we just kind of start at the very beginning, maybe tell us about your upbringing personally, and then also in terms of music, like do you come from a musical family, how you became a Christian, that kind of thing. So feel free to share with us as little or as much as you'd like. Yeah, my upbringing is interesting. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, kind of like a an operations pastor, sort mm. of jack-of-all-trades type of a mm-hmm. pastor. Um, grew up in Southern California during kind of like the pre-megachurch days, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, at a non-denom church, charismatic. My church was loosely or closely linked to TBN. You go Trinity Broadcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. So I know, I know. So there was a lot of fun stuff connected with that, that I have a lot of fun stories, goofy stories. I'm sure. Um, But, um, and and some traumas, honestly, too, um, from that. I came from a big family, uh, didn't have a whole lot of access to, you know, instruments or lessons or anything like that. Yeah, I started singing from a really young age, and then I started singing in church. Hmm. And I mainly started songwriting first, which is interesting. Yeah. I grew up with a lot of anxiety, Hmm. and I didn't know that was what it was. But the Lord really met me in in that place, and I Hmm. felt um, at a very young age that 
there wasn't um, a whole lot of people that I could trust. And I don't know how I knew that, or that's just, you know, my experience thinking back on it, but God gave me a gift of, of um, trusting in him and I don't mm. understand it. It doesn't make any sense, but I started reading the scriptures from a very young age and I was attracted to, especially the old Testament passages mm. in scripture as a kid awesome. and Sunday school, we focused a lot on the old Testament yeah. and um, that just fascinated me. And the, especially the lament portions of old Testament. So the Psalms of course, but also yeah. like Jeremiah Lamentations, um, Habakkuk, the prophets. I really, (laughs) I'm sort of melancholy. And so like seeing sadness and grief, like the Mm. real, real emotions really Mm. attracted me as, as a young girl. And so I felt comforted by that and started to write from scripture from a very young age. It wasn't very good, but (laughs) I had to start somewhere. Uh. Sure. So that's kind of where I started. And then later on in life, I taught myself how to play guitar, but um, oh, cool. yeah, so that I could accompany myself. But, that's yeah. awesome. Well, and that yeah. love of yours, you know, of the Old Testament and your fondness for the stories, it really shows in your discography. I mean, you oh, just put yeah. out, you know, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, you did uh, Songs of Lament. So yep. that yep. definitely shines through. I would be so interested in hearing your your journey into Anglicanism, right? Because you serve in an Anglican context right now. So how did you mm-hmm. kind of make that transition over the course of your life? Wow. You know, I grew up in the non-denom charismatic church. Mm-hmm. Um kind of shifted into that again as um, a young married person. And then we just started looking into like deeper theologically, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, wanted something more. uh, We felt like maybe verse by verse was the thing. We kind of weren't sure. And it was during that, you know, like the Mark Driscoll, Mars Hill kind of time where it was really cool to be reformed and like have tattoos and (laughs) I don't know, drink whiskey or something. I'm not sure, but like drink beer or something. And then really offend people with like the five points of Calvinism. Oh, totally. Um, So I'm just being really real here. Uh, (laughs) And so we kind of dived into not that necessarily, but we were looking at the Presbyterian church. We were looking Mm -hmm. at, you know, other other places that kind of we felt dived deeper into the scriptures more on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, And then that kind of led us into an interest in liturgical worship and we were in Idaho at the time and my husband saw flyers or something. I don't know. He was looking up stuff mm-hmm. on the internet early, early days of the internet and found the AMIA. And oh, um, cool. yeah. And then we ended up moving yeah. into the uh, DC area and going to church of the resurrection on Capitol Hill. So mm, like, absolutely. We've been there for, well, not at church of the res, but we've been a part of the Anglican church for almost 20 years now, which wow. is just wow. insane to me. Yeah. yeah these cool. days that makes you a veteran. Right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And we'd been through a lot of church hurt. And so the Anglican tradition really comforted us in a way that we didn't know mm. that it would. Yeah. And it was something about, you know, like with the charismatic um, way of doing church, which is a beautiful way of doing church, but it's the, you know, extemporaneous prayers and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I always felt like there was a lot of pressure for me to say just the right thing at the right mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the liturgy, the pressure is off. And I love that. 
I love that I could put my heart to prayers and that I could just learn more scripture from the liturgy itself and, Mm. and allow that to form me. Well, Rachel, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today was to hopefully stimulate songwriting in our diocese. And there's lots of other Christian leaders who listen to this podcast, and maybe they will be encouraged as well. As we were talking before we uh, came on the podcast, I too am from Southern California, Santa Ana Costa Mesa area, so I can totally picture TBN. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'm a product of the Jesus movement. And though I'm a lot older than you, I, I know you know about the music that came out of the Jesus movement, Maranoth and all that. And then later, Absolutely. later vineyard music and especially vineyard worship music. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the things that John Wimber, the founder of vineyard used to teach was that one way to mark church history is that whenever there was some sort of renewal or revival or something new that the spirit seemed to be doing, there would be a new hymnology. Mm. And clearly that was the case with Maranatha music and then mm. later vineyard music. And we could talk about some other things as well. But I want you to help us bring that down to just like a local church. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I live here in Nashville, where if you say songwriter here in Nashville, like that means one thing, you know, and I don't want people listening to this podcast going, well, that's not me. You know, I'm not going to be writing Blake Sheldon's next number one hit or something. <laughs> right, so right, help yeah. us think about the craft of songwriting, Rachel, in terms mm-hmm. of like, what are your hopes and goals when you're writing? Either let's call it an artist song or a song that's for congregational singing, like just begin to kind of open your head and heart a little bit to not the act, not the process of your craft, but more your hopes and goals as you're writing. Yeah. I I think that it's kind of two pronged, you know, as an artist and releasing music that isn't necessarily congregational, Mm -hmm. my goal is to illuminate the Bible. Mm. And I want uh, listeners to engage with scripture in a different way and to see it, to see that the scripture is multifaceted and that there are feelings behind the words Mm -hmm. rather than just words on a page. Mm. Mm. And so that's my goal as a singer songwriter, but as a worship arts um, music minister um, songwriter, my goal is to get the congregation to sing and to worship Mm. God. Yeah. And uh, not just to sing any old thing, but um, to sing something that is um, well-crafted and beautiful and scriptural. Yeah. Right. Um, it's good to have the congregation singing scripture. Uh, I, of course, that's, you know, something after my own heart, right? But yeah. um, I do believe that um, when, who said it? I can't remember who said it, if it was Martin Luther or St. Augustine. Someone said it. Someone important said, you know, when you're singing, you're praying twice. Mm. What is it? Have yeah. you heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so like when you're singing scripture, yes. you know, imagine mm-hmm. the power there, you know, yeah. Jesus is the word and it's like you're embodying it when you are mm-hmm. actually vocalizing it as a, mm, yeah. as the body yeah. of Christ. And so there's something really important and powerful about that and transformative, really. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Um, spiritual formation. So yeah, I mean this just to underscore what you're saying, not that we can go backwards, but you know, when I was a teenager in the seventies, mm-hmm. if you think of some of those early Maranatha choruses, yeah. many of them were just simple Bible verses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seek ye first I, the kingdom yeah. of God or Psalm five yep. or you know, right. we could go and you're hiding them in your heart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Memory, and yeah. honestly, Bishop Todd, I think that's the future of worship music right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's budding up and that people are recognizing. I think even maybe record executives are recognizing that. Okay. That's something liturgical or something 
um, scriptural yeah. and short and sweet, not these long extended, you know, yeah. um, songs that we have now in our big box worship, but yeah. something that is, um, that looks a little different and is more meditative. So Mickey's a worship leader, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm picturing Mickey or anybody else who works with our congregations. I want to go back to something you said for the people who are listening, who, who do want to write, how do they go about writing something that's simple? I mean, in terms of melody lines and even chord choices that go along that melody line and kind of instrumentation that might be expected or whatever, how do they hit that bullseye of something that's simple, but also still beautiful? Like, I guess we're getting a little bit into your craft now, but. Well, one little exercise that I do um, that I've done at my church for several years is for the Psalm of the day, Mm -hmm. I um, write a new refrain for the Psalm. And so okay. we have a reading. So as you're as you're reading it antiphonally, you sing a refrain. Yes. Yeah. Great. And yeah. so I write one of those every week for okay. the psalm. So mm-hmm. and I teach it to the congregation on the spot. And oftentimes, yeah. what's really cool about that is that you really find out if that refrain is catchy or good yeah. right away. Yeah. Sure. It's like it's like a workshop, right? Yeah. yeah. And so if it doesn't catch very well, you kind of know you need to work on it if you want to keep working mm-hmm. on that refrain. So it's like yeah. a little chorus. And so I have a whole, a whole host of those um, in mm. my arsenal now, where if mm. I want to write a whole song um, on the Psalms, on one of the Psalms, actually, I'll go through that and I'll write verses around just that chorus. So it's a really great way to kind yeah. of to hone your craft and to, um, and to zero in on just the nugget of the Psalm right. and then write around it and see what you get, you know, right. see if Test you the can. Waters yeah. 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 So it's just, it's, it's a real low commitment to get you started. You know, um, I, one thing that you may not know about me, you know, me as a songwriter and a worship leader, but, um, I am also vice president of United Adoration right? and it's an ACNA, um, organization. Yes. I go around, uh, globally now it's kind of weird, but, um, (laughs) for me, um, and I go around the United States and I go to local congregations and, lead songwriting retreats. Okay. Um, And so I encourage um, local songwriters to write for their churches. And so that's what we're wanting to do here too. Yeah. Yeah, So if you need me, here I am. Okay. Um, We're glad you're on this podcast at least. We we may have you come do that. I can (laughs) see Mickey shaking her head. Hey, one of the things Mickey and I were wondering when we were preparing yesterday was, so feel free here to don't, don't be self-conscious because we're really curious about this. So of all <laughs> yeah. the songs you've written, yeah, which one was your favorite in the sense of, like you said, wow, that really worked. And like, yeah. why, when you look back now, yeah. do you have any insight about how one that you particularly loved, like really one worked? One that's really special to you that you saw really be used by Lord or something like that. Yeah, man, I'm trying to think. I've got... I've got a few sure that are my favorite. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because I try to write what I really want to hear. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so totally. I love things that sound medieval or like folky medieval, yeah. almost Hebrew. Like I grew up mm. on those kind of remember those like Jesus people yeah. song, like mm-hmm. the oh, yeah. the he, uh, the Jews for Jesus kind of songs. I yeah. just love those chord progressions and all of that. And so when I find a melody, like when I'm catching a melody um, that the Lord's giving me, if it has that kind of flavor to it, I think, okay, I'm getting closer and closer to the goal. 
Um, And so there's one song that came to my mind right away. Um, I have a couple of them. I don't know if you want a couple or just one, but from my Mystery Canicles EP that I put out last year, Jonah's song is Mm -hmm. probably one of my my real favorites, just because I don't know how it happened, but I had a melody that came to me. And as I was reading Jonah's prayer when he's in the belly of the fish, I was able to just... it just came so naturally. Even the lyrics came naturally basing it on that prayer. Yeah. You know, my church used it for Easter vigil the last couple of years and had a whole strings mm-hmm. section. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. it just really, it, it made an impact. It was, it was really beautiful. So obviously you're an artist. Um, mm-hmm. but what you just said you loved was when you see like God using it, right. Yeah. That yeah. the yeah. impact yeah. is, yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I really love how God uses it. One other song that I just put out that I'm really proud of um, from my Jeremiah album called Vengeance with the Sword. Um, I released it as my first single for Jeremiah, and it's based on Jeremiah 25, the portion where um, the Lord talks about church abuse and um, Mm. how leaders in the church abuse the sheep. And the language is really harsh, but it's actually language that God uses himself. It's a lament that he is, I would say, singing um, Mm -hmm. through Jeremiah. And it has helped a lot of people already. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of response back from that song saying, man, this is my fight song. I've been really struggling with with church abuse and um, just not being heard. And, and seeing God use art like that, seeing God use music um, to help, to help a hurt person see the old Testament, see that God is standing up for them, that, that God is, is for them Mm -hmm. and sees them and values them and honors them. That has been my most recent, like blessing from the Lord (laughs) with the song. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, you know, while we're kind of on the subject of, you know, your creativity and your process, yeah. Um, you know, we'd love to just hear what your process is actually like. And it, I'm sure it can look differently depending on what you're working on. Sometimes the melody comes first, sometimes the lyrics come first, mm-hmm. you know, who knows. But, you know, do you enjoy writing in community? Like I know mm-hmm. some of Jeremiah is really communal. So we'd love to kind of yeah. hear that part as well. Yeah. Uh, or versus when you're in this process alone, what's that like? And, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do when you're stuck or that sort mm-hmm. of thing? So for our songwriters listening or for worship leaders who are interested in songwriting, tell us a little bit more about your craft. Well, when I'm by myself, I typically do the psalm refrain exercise. Now, Yeah. when I look at a piece of scripture, because I mainly write from scripture, it could be any kind of passage and I'll find the nugget and I'll create a chorus. And when I'm stuck, which I'm often stuck when I'm on my own, ah, gotcha. is I realize when I'm stuck that I haven't asked the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to inspire mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. to That's actually funny. give me a song. The dependence on the, the work of the Holy Spirit is 100% you know, key in mm-hmm. songwriting. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Rachel. Yeah, that's that's super important. It's really important. And I, I find over and over again that when I, when I feel like I've hit a wall, oh, I forgot again, you know, um, that I needed to ask the Holy Spirit mm. for inspiration. Yeah. Um, so that makes a huge difference. I would say about 90, 90% of the time, 
then suddenly it just kicks into gear. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that uh, it's magic or anything like that. I'm just saying the Lord is faithful and he's faithful when we come to um, our craft um, in obedience. And we take it seriously. If we take it seriously, the Lord takes it seriously too. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a ministry. So there's that. And then my process when I'm with others is... I I usually kind of stand back for a while and wait until I'm inspired by what someone else is writing. Mm -hmm. And I'm really good at like hearing a melody go somewhere. And then all of a sudden I just bam, kind of get the melody, Mm -hmm. you know, as a offshoot path from that, like, okay, I think I have the verse melody now. So that's kind of how I operate. I love collaborating, Uh, collaborating. I feel always makes a better song. Because the more people um, are included, and I don't mean we need a huge crowd of people, but let's say four people, three people, the more Mm -hmm. that are included, the better the song's going to be because every person brings something different. And, you know, the body of Christ is varied and beautiful. And how can we show all of those aspects of the body of Christ in one song without bringing others into that? Mm -hmm. So that is something that I really value. Um, the collaboration piece. Um, but yeah, I I would say that I think it's really important that we as artists sit down and actually work on our craft. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. every day, like leave yourself some space. But yeah. one of the things that I do for inspiration is I intake beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you cannot be inspired to create anything. And I'm not just talking about songwriting. I'm talking about painting or, you know, woodworking or anything like anything imaginative without intaking the beauty of, of the Lord. Um, so go out into God's beautiful world Mm -hmm. and experience it. Mm -hmm. And wherever it is that you are, that you love, that the Lord has placed in you, that tugs at your heart, say it's the ocean or the mountains or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, go to where God tugs at you and speaks to you and put your ear to the ground there and listen um, and see what he's saying to you. And you will be filled with inspiration to go and create in his name. What would you say? It feels to me like there's a balance between um, like, if you're going to write in community, it seems like Mm -hmm. you have to at least developed some of your craft beyond being absolute beginner, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Mm -hmm. absolute beginners could sit in a Mm -hmm. special way, but for somebody who's just beginning, would you suggest that they, that the accent in the beginning be on their own person and their own heart, their own mind, their own skills, or would you say, no, really you should get into a community as soon as you can. I would say community. Okay. Uh, Definitely because we learn in community and I, at the retreats, I've led several retreats. I see beginners all the time and there is nothing better than bringing a beginner into a songwriting room with experienced songwriters Mm -hmm. so that they can just take it in and learn. And oftentimes this is what I've found. Those that are beginner are geniuses because Mm -hmm. they're, it's so interesting. They are fresh they have new ideas. Yeah. They have things that they're coming forward with that. It's like um, they haven't learned to be afraid yet. Yes. Ah, yeah. And then sometimes they are afraid, but they haven't learned to be afraid about the right things or the, yeah, they're not afraid though. I mean? They're not afraid yet though, because somebody rejected what they created. Right. They're open exactly. to sharing. They're open. Yeah. To, That's right. 
Yeah. That's right. Yes. And so I often call like, especially young people, young songwriters, like these caves of gems that are just overflowing out of that cave. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy for them. It's like the gems are just right out of the cave and you can grab them all and put it in your basket. But when you're an older songwriter, <laughs> it you have to go way deep into that cave. <laughs> you have to get your pickaxe and you've got to hack <laughs> at that stone yeah. so you can get the gem. It takes a lot more. And mm -hmm. so I, I just love working with young people and young songwriters and beginners because there's so much that they have to offer and so much genius that they have um, that hasn't been tapped into yet. That's good. That That's definitely encouraging and I'm sure very helpful for someone who's listening to this and kind of feel that tugging, um, but maybe don't know where to begin. So that's, that's very practical, yeah. super helpful. Yeah. So personally, like what inspires you, you know, or who inspires you, right? Like who do you listen to mm. uh, musically, theologically, whatever it may be, uh, or where do you feel like God does his tugging with you uh, mm. and just kind of share a little bit about, you know, your personal journey and kind of what's worked for you. You know, it's interesting. So I'm going to, I have a lot of things that inspire me. I, I love Radiohead for one thing. Um, I've just, since I hit 40, I'm like Radiohead all the way. Um, <laughs> awesome. I get super inspired by Radiohead. Um, I just love the chord progressions. Um, I love the unexpected places that they go. Mm -hmm. um, but to be honest, I love art museums. Uh, Art museums inspire cool. me so much. And talking about like intaking beauty, mm -hmm. I was recently, this was six months ago, I was in, at the Seattle Art Museum and I wasn't really impressed with their collection until I got to the very end. And I entered this really dark room and it had all of this Aboriginal Australian art. Mm. So dot art. I'd never mm. seen it before. I'd never heard of it. They had a big film up of like, all these um, Aboriginal Australian women painting these giant pieces of gorgeous art of their journeys across the bush, um, mm. of watering places, of the village. They're just like aerial views and they're all symbolic and tribal. And I just sat down and wept. Wow. Talk about where God is tugging you mm. in some deep place where mm. I'm like, God, you're speaking. What are you saying to me? What are, you, what are you doing in me? And uh, so I was listening to that tug. I'm like, okay, something's happening, you know? Yeah. And uh, I went home and I had a visual art retreat at my church. And I decided that I was going to make my own journey in the same style. So I sat down and I created this, you know, painting. And it made this great impact on me. Like it, I felt like there was some kind of emotional healing that was happening. And then I became obsessed with it and I went to the art store and I bought paints and I bought canvases yeah. and an easel and I started painting. And as I was painting, I started listening to the words of Jesus and the gospels. Uh. And there was something in the, the utter patience of dotting <laughs> on a canvas yeah. and yeah. painting for hours in my free time and just focusing on the words of Jesus and letting that wash over me as I created in some type of like devotional space mm -hmm. that prepared me 
for anything. I felt like I had a strengthening that was happening, a healing and a strengthening mm. in my life, almost like I was painting prayers, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something mystical was happening inside me. And, and so I continued to do that as a spiritual practice. Um, so yes, that's, that's, beautiful. <laughs> that's something that's been yeah. inspiring me the last six months. Rachel, we'd like to ask you uh, some things around liturgy and liturgical settings. Sure. And so we'll take them one at a time. But what's it like when you think about writing for a particular liturgical setting, worship leading in a liturgical setting, and then song selection? So let's start with the first one. When when you're thinking about writing for a liturgical setting, is there anything special? Is there anything people ought to be aware of who are listening to us that would be different than a uh, a non-liturgical setting? Uh, yeah, I I believe that every season in the church calendar has a feeling. Mm. And I believe that we as the worship leaders or the songwriters, the artists that are bringing the music, and if we're crafting music for our liturgical setting, mm-hmm. we need to be um, attuned to that. Each season has its own flavor or its own feeling or mm-hmm. emotion to it. Mm-hmm. So easy, you know, easily enough, we can think Advent, let's just pick some easy ones. Advent mm-hmm. is mysterious. Yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. mysterious. It's a little bit scary and it's also yearning. Right. Um, so we want to capture those feelings um, with Advent. So when we're creating, let's say service music, and I mean service music as in, but we have the freedom to create like a Sanctus or yeah. um, a, an Agnustei or a Kyrie, mm-hmm. um, we want to make sure that those pieces sound like Advent. Mm-hmm. So what does Advent sound like? Yeah. Um, and then you could do the same thing with Lent and you could do the same sure. thing with Epiphany and Easter mm-hmm. time. So I think it's thinking emotionally about the church calendar yeah. um, that comes into play with liturgical music. So I can imagine, Rachel, that you might say something similar about the practice of leading worship and even song selection. But just in case, does there anything, is there anything else come to your mind about the uniqueness of liturgy when it comes to leading a congregation and singing and or song selection? I believe that the liturgy can sometimes feel not as alive for some people, people that have been a part of it for a long time. And I believe music, the, the worship leading aspect, the, the mm-hmm. musical worship leading aspect yeah. is... Um, brings life to it that mm. otherwise I think if we just had straight up liturgy wouldn't bring it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a gift from the Lord, yeah. um, an artistic gift that we can bring beauty um, yeah. to enhance the liturgy. Not that the liturgy really needs anything, but um, that it, it's a strength to have a diversity of yeah. Um, of beauty. Yeah. I think it invites us to play, you know, a portion of that or to participate in that as well. I know as a worship leader, I'm really grateful for the rhythms of the church calendar because they help me think about how to think about the seasons that we're in or that we're about to transition into. And then thinking, you know, these rhythms are meant to shape us. Yes. So how do we use the time that we have, you know, on Sunday mornings or for our worship gatherings mm-hmm. to like 
further like play a part in this sort of discipleship role that the, yeah. like the power that it has over people. So yeah. I, you were, you know, you mentioned, you know, the tones of Advent, they're not the same as the, the tone of Easter tide, right? right. It's kind of up right. to us to feel those mm-hmm. and sort of plan accordingly with the hope that, and the knowledge that God will use that to shape his people and absolutely you know, to the image of Christ. It's definitely ministering. And I think one of the things that's so powerful like about liturgy is that when it's paired with music in such a way, it tells us that music isn't sacramental. So I think in our kind of like modern worship, we tend to think of music as, as a sacrament. Yeah. It's part of, you know, and, and I love the whole idea that music is just kind of off to the side. It's what supports. And so it takes the pressure off of someone like me who's off to the side with a little team and, you know, totally. Totally, we're, yeah. we're guiding the voice of the congregation to sing to the Lord at his mm-hmm. table, right. you know, and at his, at his party basically. Yeah. And so right. I love, I love how music can help shape that and form that, but in a seasonal way too, so mm-hmm. that the people are formed and transformed. Right. Yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. an invitation. I, a gracious invitation to, I think the artists that God calls to yes. contribute to the church, right. And, you know, use their giftings to assist in that way and facilitate. But I'll tell you that it's, I, I'm grateful for the rhythms of the church calendar and the liturgical seasons, because it kind of takes kind of like you mentioned, it's some of that pressure off, like, you yep. know, it's coming, you know, there's, different ways to breathe new life into different years or whatever. But for the most part, we're not coming up with anything on our own uh, in the sense that, you know, we're not starting something brand new. We know it's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the spirit gives us wisdom every Mm -hmm. year to kind of decide, okay, how are we going to come at this from this angle? Or maybe what can I write this year to sort of fit the tone of Advent this year? But for the Mm -hmm. most part, like we're not here guessing what's going to happen. Right. I, for me, that's, that's taken off a lot of pressure as a worship leader Mm -hmm. and a church leader, because I'm not alone. And also there's other songwriters, there's other, you know, worship leaders who are doing the same thing year in and year out. And so that just kind of speaks to the further connection with, you know, Christians across time and space. That's been Mm -hmm. huge for me. Well, the, the, the liturgical calendar is an invitation to, walk alongside Jesus all year right? and to be shaped by him. And so I believe it's so important that we go into it thinking that way as, as worship leaders and songwriters, Mm -hmm. that we are helping to form and shape by the power of the Holy spirit um, through things that we choose songs that we choose and to, um, and to just come alongside what's already there and support it and make it beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, because we want to show the church the beauty of Jesus, right? But we want to show a watching world the beauty of Jesus too. Mm, amen. Um, so if we're shaped into the image of Christ, then we can go out into the world and show the world Jesus. Mm. So Rachel, we're hoping that uh, people are listening today who might be inspired to pick up their guitar again or get out their piano again or whatever they might, uh, might do to write. What would you say to someone who's having their first inclination towards songwriting? What's maybe a, a first thing they could do? I would say chase it. 
Mm. pursue it. Yeah. Oftentimes we have a little bit of a, like a tickle from the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. There's, I believe there's, there's art like lying dormant in every person and this creative bent that's in everyone. And we ignore that a lot because Mm -hmm. we were created to create. And um, if you're feeling that tickle to, to pick up a guitar, to, to songwrite, um, I would say, chase it. Mm. Um, don't give up on that because that is a sign from the Holy spirit that you are to pursue that and to create for the glory of God. Who knows what will happen when you Mm. do it, you know? So I would encourage like, go to a songwriting retreat, Mm -hmm. see what happens, see what the Lord will do, see how the Holy spirit will speak to you. Yeah. Um, and see who you will meet. Um, mm, yeah. Also, another another piece of advice would be if you know anyone that writes songs and you are interested in doing that, contact those people. Mm. Ask them how to get started. You know, don't do this alone. You that's really a great need community. Point, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I found yeah. in the church at least. I don't know about around town here in Nashville, but uh, I know in church at least. You're right. Most uh, I've known some of the you know churches best songwriters over the last 30 years. And they're all so gracious and open and kind. And they're amazing. I love songwriters. Yeah. They're my favorite people. (laughs) Of course they are. I know tons of them. So one last thing. And then I want, I'm, I can't wait to hear Mickey, Mickey, I want you to just respond for a minute or two to everything you've heard today. Cause you're the, you're the, you're the performer of these uh, songs that people write in church. So one last thing is discovering your own creative process something that you like specifically and intentionally do, or does it come to you as you're just chasing it? Like I'm thinking of the person who's hearing you, do they need it to develop a creative process or does it just come as they begin and chase it? I think everybody has their own creative process Mm. because God has uniquely made every person um, to be them, to be who they are. I really can't say my creative process is going to actually be someone else's creative process. It can help them. Maybe they they can maybe get the juices flowing and like training wheels or something training wheels. Sure. But honestly, you know, yeah. Seek those things out that are, that are training wheel type things. But you know, the Lord really meets people in really deep ways through the creative process and through Mm -hmm. the individual creative process. So there's something special about the creative process in yeah. each individual. And I think, yeah. I think that's important to remember that my creative process isn't going to look like yours, Mickey, or, sure. you know, Ryan Flanagan's or, you know what I mean? Wes mm-hmm. Crawford's. It's not right. going to yeah. look, it's not going to look the same. If we look at it in a spiritual sense that this is where the Lord's meeting us and this is actually devotional time. Right. Mm. Um, then we will actually pursue something that is greater than we are. I wish I could be a songwriter, Rachel. I'm not. I've written a number of books, but I just want to underscore something you just said. This doesn't happen every morning, but my process, my physical, I mean, my sort of chronological process is I get up very early in the morning, like at five o'clock and write pretty much every day. Hmm. But I'm writing books, not songs. Right. But I know what you mean. Like when I wrote the book Deep Peace, which was my book before this last one, honest to gosh, 90% of that book almost felt like journaling. Yeah. I felt like God was meeting me yep. as I was having these ideas and, you know, 
typing yeah. away on my laptop. It's hard to explain if it's never happened to you, but, but I, mm -hmm. I can imagine that that happens even more so, uh, with songwriters. Well, I think that that's very similar. I don't think that's any different from what a songwriter experiences, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah. We're humans. We're humans. We're humans, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. And I'm also a writer too. Like I, yeah. I write articles and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I only write usually when the, you know, the bug bites me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when I'm journaling or something like that, just the flow, you know, what, yeah. you know what that is like, yes. right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just sitting there yeah. and you're like, whoa, I feel like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of on fire right now. Yeah. Um, it's like that when you're songwriting too. And mm -hmm. uh, it just looks a little different. So yeah. Mickey, I've been waiting to ask this for like 15 minutes now or more <laughs> listening to Rachel. What do you hope that RC4SO clergy and worship teams and stuff would, like if your dream could come true, what would they take away from what Rachel said today? Yeah, well... You know, I'm encouraged by everything you've said, Rachel, and, and, you know, what your process is like and, you know, being in tune with the Holy Spirit and his prompting. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, for those who do feel that tug or who feel that prompting of the Spirit, you know, you've kind of laid out for us this sort of obedience that you have to lean into, yeah, right? It's not just, yeah. you know, something you do just because you want to do it, but if the Lord is prompting you in a way it's up to you to, you know, respond mm. with obedience. And so what I think happens when you obey the Lord in that way is God uses that. He works in you and through you and he blesses the church with it. Um, and so, you know, my hope for anyone hearing this is if, and in our diocese too, like if you uh, feel this prompting, you know, I hope you're encouraged to obey that and explore that and just kind of see what the Lord will do with it. Right. Because, you know, he uses things for our good, his glory. And I think for, for the good of the kingdom as well, I think oftentimes art, you know, both visual musical sometimes is not taken super seriously by yeah. a lot of folks, um, mm -hmm. even within Christianity, but truly the, the art, the truth, beauty, goodness, all that are things that I think the Lord really uses for mm. the growth and the furthering of his kingdom. And I think mm. God is creative. He's created us to be creative. Yes. And so we are participating in the work of the Lord. I think when we obey that prompting for those of us who are creative. So, so yeah, my hope yeah. is that people are inspired and are, you know, compelled to, to just walk in obedience and just kind of see what the Lord does with it. I love that so, mashup Mickey of, the inspiration and the spirit that Rachel was talking about, and then marrying that with just a simple childlike obedience. It doesn't right. have to be a big, heavy thing. Right, it's just, right. as Rachel said, I'm going to chase it. I'm just going to like a child. See what happens, yeah. Just mm -hmm. sort of chase this down. And there's an obedience in that as well. I, mm -hmm. I love that mashup. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say, I want to commend you for uh, seeing the importance of local church songwriting. Mm -hmm. That is a rare thing. Well, you know, it's my vineyard background, you know, the, all those it. songs True. came out of worship leaders. Right. I am so, I just am so encouraged by that so much, Bishop Todd. Like, Thank you, Rachel. I really, really think that that's going to um, really bless the church. That is, the, that is the way, you know, I believe beauty is going to save the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah. beauty of Jesus is going to save the world. And that I, I believe beauty going forward in mission is the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Rachel, thank you so much for yes. being with us. We're we're appreciative, not just to you specifically, but you've represented your tribe and your craft well here. Yeah. And I just joined Mickey and saying, and what you said that I, I hope that this will spark songwriters all over C4SO and all over the church who listens to this podcast. Thank you. Yes. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to the C4SO podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share this episode and subscribe and leave a review. It helps us to get the word out. Thanks.